Welcome to the Irish Society of Stage and Screen Designers podcast. Each episode covers different aspects of sonography and its processes with designers from all disciplines at a variety of stages in their careers. These podcasts are possible thanks to the Design and Crafts Council of Ireland. Hi everyone, welcome to another um, um, podcast from the ISSSD. Um, the ISSSD, like many cultural organisations on the island of Ireland, is an all-Ireland organisation. So this is a, a podcast coming to you from Belfast uh, in the north of Ireland. And I'm here with um, two fantastic Belfast designers, um, the wonderful Kieran Bagnall and the beautiful Tracy Lindsay are with me today. My name is Niall Ray. Um, I'm a member of the committee of the Irish Society of Stage and Screen Designers and uh, I'll be kind of chatting with these two to talk about their careers, their um, life under lockdown and how art, their art is progressing and their practice is progressing under lockdown and um, how they got to where they are and any advice they might have for younger designers etc. So yeah, as I say, my name is Niall Ray. I'm, I'm a lecturer in theatre design at the Institute of Technology in Sligo, the Yates Academy of Arts, Design and Architecture. And I was, uh, for quite a while, a practicing uh, set costume lighting designer um, in the north of Ireland, but also in the UK and in America and in Europe as well. Uh, but now I just teach, which is fantastic. Um, so um, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves, uh, both of you, um, which shall we do Tracy first? Tracy, off you go. <laughs> Hello, I'm Tracy Lindsay. I'm originally from Derry, based in Belfast. Um, I've been working in the theatre industry professionally for about 15 years. I am a deputy stage manager and um, from last year um, I jumped into the world, the scary world of freelance as an emerging set designer. Fantastic, thank you. And Kieran. Uh, hello, I'm uh, blah blah. I'm Kieran Bagnell. That's a good start. Uh, I'm a professional set and lighting designer based in Belfast, uh, originally from Newry, County Down. Um, yeah, I've been working and living in Belfast for the past nearly 12 years. I went across the water and trained over in Cardiff and uh, lived in Le lived and worked in Leicester, the Leicester Haymarket, and then um, spent about eight or nine years in London and then moved home, um, say, about 11 or 12 years ago to um, to basically bring my skills back. Um was always this sort of end game for that. But uh, yes, so... I'm say, based in Belfast and very proud to be working in Belfast, uh, predominantly with um, Prime Cut, who I'm an associate artist and also more recently their newly appointed creative director. Um, well, congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's me. So thanks, Kieran. Um, we've got um, just a few questions um, just to kind of start off a chat. Um, for f and um, hopefully this won't take much longer than about half an hour, 40 minutes. Um, but can I just ask you um, to think about the, all the projects that you do? Do you think, um, do you think you have a distinct recognizable voice or style in the projects that you do? Or 
do you think each project demands that you bring a new voice or a new style or a new aesthetic? Um, shall I? I wonder. Shall we? Yeah, go ahead, Karen. Um, yeah, I mean, this is something that sort of as, as I've gone through my career, I've, I've often sort of thought about and wondered, um, you know, is, is, yeah, do I have a style? Is that relevant? Do people, you know, do people recognize my work as a certain kind of thing? I mean, I personally don't um, recognize uh, it as a style, but I've had, but I've had people tell me that they recognize that. So I don't know what that is. I think it's probably a good thing that I don't know what that is. Um, so it prevents me getting kind of too obsessed about that. I mean, it's easy to, it's easy to get obsessed by these details as an artist in terms of your own work. Um, but I, from my, my own point of view, um, it's project to project based. You know, every piece we do, every play we do, every project we do is so different and so varied. Um, you know, that each, each production brings its own challenges and its own voice. And I hope I can kind of be fresh with these things. I certainly know from a practical point of view, um, there's always different challenges. Um, so I'm sure it depends as well on the, on the company you're working with and the director you're working with. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, certain companies have certain aesthetics as well. Um, and certain budgets. And certain budgets. <laughs> I, think from, I think what's possibly more important is that you approach, you, 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 you approach each project with the same vigor and the same passion and the same heart rather than a sense of style necessarily. I think it's more important that, you, you, um, that you're more open to it as, as, as an ethos to kind of how you produce work than what the work actually looks like. Does that make, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Tracy, do you think you're developing a style or an aesthetic or an approach in the last few years? Um, yes. I think I've realised I am. Um, I started off not knowing what my style was, um, but um, over this past year of being freelance and then prior to that, when I, I did a couple of designs just in preparation to go freelance, um, I think, you know, as Kieran said, you approach each one individually and it's a collaborative thing. Um, but I just think as humans, we have our own individual aesthetic that we find pleasing um and I think definitely with my work I realized that after I've looked at like four of them that they're quite minimal mm. in their design and about the shapes and the structure of the space and I think I'm very much about the visual composition of the actors standing in the space um, and yeah. so I think I've realized over the short time that I maybe do. I'm not sure that's a good thing or not, um, but yeah. Almost like a, a spatial choreographer, I suppose you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm just all about giving the director something that he can work with with the actor and giving the actor a space that they can work within. Yeah. And what, what just on a tangent from that, um, where would be your starting point to find your approach? Or does it vary from project to project? Is there always a, a point where you're reading the text and making notes? Or is there a point where you're listening to music or a point where you're doing visual research? 
you know, what, what, what is your starting point or does it vary from project to project? I think it varies from project to project. Like um, I did the set design for um, Ashling Year. It was um, an Irish production, um, the story of the Shaw's Road Giltock. And I met up with the director, Breed, before I'd read the set and she talked about the play. And when I walked away from that discussion, I had the image of what I wanted to create in my head. So that happened all very quickly and it was quite surprising to me. Um, whereas when I did the set design for Green Ship Productions in the Name of the Sun, um, I had read the script and I had a visual and then it was just sitting down with the director and having that collaborative process of what they have in their mind's eye as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it varies so much from director to director and even production different productions with the same director you know the you know the uh, the directors that I've worked with over a certain amount of time uh, have come at have, you know we've come to various designs differently you know sometimes it's with the po- you know it's like, a, like an, an image on a postcard or sometimes it is the script or a novel or something yeah very you know they, yeah I mean it's mostly comes from some some form of text-based beginning um but it, yeah, as Tracy said. I, ideally, I suppose the first relationship that's established in any production is the relationship between the director and the designer. Of course, absolutely. Um, yeah. And and that's the starting point then of all the approaches to everything, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, has there been um, a design that that you've seen that's left a lasting impression on you that someone else has designed, um, and and why? Mm-hmm. You know, is there is there is there a design out there that really inspired you in the past? And Linda, Tracy, you are allowed to say, Kieran, that's fine. You can say. That. I'm sitting here saying it's not just because Kieran oh, Bagnall is here. I didn't even thought of that. <laughs> but um, red. Yeah, red was fab. Red was just absolutely stunning in so many ways, like visually, like stunning just an absolutely beautiful piece it was one of those shows I went to see and like sitting there watching it I was like this is theatre this is what I love about theatre it was one of those productions that all of the ingredients came together just to make this spectacular piece and the visuals were just stunning yeah yeah it was it was great Karen. well done you <laughs> and what about you Karen? I think probably one of the first sort of actually, well, not quite the first professional production I ever saw, but certainly the first Abbey's show I ever saw was when I was at school. I think it's, and actually, funny enough, um, only, in, only recently found out that actually Jimmy Fay was the assistant director on this. It was Translations in the Abbey in the Peacock, I believe, in 90. 90- Two ninety three maybe. Um, we went down with the Abbey Grammar School in Uri, and like I say, it was my first kind of proper going to the theatre. We'd been, you know, we'd been a lot, quite a lot to our local town hall theatre. Does this fantastic, um, fantastic work and great Christmas shows and fantastic amateur um, dramatic scene. But this is the first big scale production that I ever saw, and it was, it was Brian Friel's translations. And there's a moment where obviously at Act One, um set within the house and then there's more scenes in act two they're more sort of external but when we came in after the interval um they had lifted so it had been it had been a sort of traditional cottage set up on uh, on stage and then in the interval they'd taken the roof off it um 
and then upstage of the roof, they had the star cloth. And I remember coming in then for top of Act Two um, and seeing the kind of structure as it was before and then seeing this fucking night sky uh, and going, Jesus Christ. Uh, For me, and that was for me, there was no, I mean, what was I, maybe 12 or... 13 um you know that was the night sky oh kieran you're making you're making me feel so old because (laughs) you you were you were you you were you were you were you were um not quite that you were what 12 when you saw the 1990s production i had left university when i saw the original production Uh, that's not even asked tracy because we're Um, but that's what they did that's what they did in in those uh, in those clearances they removed the thatched roofs from the houses to make yeah. the people leave it's yeah. incredibly moving it's yeah. an incredibly moving piece of set design actually um that, so, that, that sort of blew me away sort of the the, the magic the magic of it because like i say i was totally convinced that was the nice guy and nobody could tell me otherwise you know <laughs> is there a, a des, is there a design and I don't that, even know who that designer was. That's awful, because I've spoke about this before. Oh, I must, I must actually find out. I must find out. Yeah. That's terrible. That's awful. Sorry, designer. It, it's okay. <laughs> is, there, is there a design that um, you find particularly challenging or one that was very successful or one that was both challenging and successful or one that was challenging and, in your mind, not successful that you've done? <laughs> you diverted to me. You're I'm diverting to you, Kieran. Give <laughs> <laughs> um, more experience. Uh, yes, yes. Short answer is yes, of course. Um, challenging. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I, there's been there's been certain productions that I mean, you know that as I say, every production is different, and there's different challenges and different. Um, What's it? Opportunities for opportunities for success. It's not sort of the other way. Um, I don't know if I want to kind of particularly pick out. I mean, like I say, in terms of the good side, the positive side. Uh, yeah, red. To talk about red, red, red was an extraordinary um, production for many reasons. In that, you know, my, you know, that's something that began. Um, Age, you know, years and years and years ago, with me in terms of my obsession with Rothko, and then and then finding out, finding out about the play, and then being in the right time at the right place when um, when Emma Jordan was speaking with Una Nikon in the Prime Cut office when they were based in the Mac, and just talking about you know uh, Emma very sort of simply asking her if if they'd heard back from the agent from the John Logan who wrote the play about Red, and I was like, oh my god, uh, you know, I have to do this, you know. Um, and that sort of that I sort of forced myself upon the production as kind of going at this you know this is very important because you know, I knew about the play beforehand um, and knew I had wanted to do it since um, since it was written um, and again yeah so nor both you know both Emma and I went on a sort of very similar journey with that piece in terms of the research and the kind of having a very clear sense of that space at the lyric um and being able to do what that space does well in terms of big, you know, big sort of simple statements, statements, and even just practical things about being able to get able to get the set into rehearsals so the cast could rehearse with those big paintings in the room. So that all, all that really add, you know, it really added up. Um, and with Carl Kennedy um, composing the music, um, and Dylan Dylan Quinn choreographer, mm-hmm. you know movement struck choreography you know so yeah it was it was one of those very special productions where 
you know, and Paddy, Paddy and Thomas, the our cast, you know, it, yeah, it was a very, very special production where all, all the stars aligned, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, I could probably count count those productions on less than one hand, you know, in terms of my career. So I'm very, I'm indebted to the lyric and to Emma and um, to everybody who, you know, everybody who was part of that team, because it was across the board, you know, everybody, the lyric, everybody, you know, they all, everybody really loved that show. Um, and I think that really showed, um, mm-hmm. I think it does show to an audience when all the elements really gel that way. I think it, I think it really does come across um, in, you know, in what the audience come to see. What about you, Tracy? Any particular challenges that you've overcome? Uh, yeah, I think um, with In the Name of the Sun, um, directed by Tony Devlin, um, that was a touring production. So it toured theatres in the north and then it was running in the Lyric Theatre main stage um, for a couple of weeks. So the big challenge there for me was designing a set that could go into like small venues, medium venues, and then sit on the main stage of the Lyric Theatre. Um, so the amount of time I spent looking at the growing plans of all the venues and seeing how mm. it could fit yeah. and subtracting 10 centimetres here or... So um, that was a long process, um, trying to get it to fit everywhere or even thinking how can we deconstruct the set to take something away, but then still let it have all the ingredients and the visual yeah. that you're after. Yeah. Um, and also with it being in the Lyric Theatre, just to um, bring up our current situation and climate of COVID, um, it was to be on the main stage of the Lyric Theatre, and that was the show that ended up um, <clears throat> being cancelled a week before the North oh, went no. into lockdown. So within a year of me being with like within a year of me being in my freelance career as an emerging artist, I couldn't quite believe that a set design of mine was to make it on the main stage of the lyric. I was like, Fantastic. could not believe it. And it almost happened. <laughs> it almost <laughs> happened. Well, that was my segue. That was the segue that I was going to make was from challenges of production to challenges of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what, so you, you had a show cancelled. Um, Tracy, and so how how can you speak? Can you speak to being a a, a young up and coming set designer in times of COVID? How, how have you been coping? Um, well, theatre isn't isn't happening. You know, we can't we can't have an audience. Yeah. Um, so it literally can't happen, and it's quite it's quite scary. You know, because it took me um a few years to you know, jump ship from my beautiful full-time job in the Lyric Theatre as a deputy stage manager. I worked in there for seven years. You know, I loved it. Um, to jump into the freelance world of, you know, not being financially secure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I made sure I had a bit of savings behind me before I jumped into that. Um, so just there being no work out there um, is quite scary. And especially someone at the beginning of their career, when their career was just just starting to take off, you know. And then it got to the point that, like, halfway through, I was thinking, God, you know, I really need money to pay the bills. Should I put my career to the side for a year and get what we call a normal job in the theatre world? 
but you know um yeah it's difficult isn't it mm. and do you, do you think there's um do you, how, how how far away do you do you feel or do, do do you think the theaters will be before they open up again um in any way shape or form i know the i know the abbey is opening next month but very socially distanced yeah yeah. Um, do, uh, do the, does the yeah, lyric? Do, do you have you heard of the lyric or doing that or planning anything at any point? No. Um, the, no. Aud- the the lyric has gone down. Like they're doing their um, audio plays and everything. So that's yeah. that's brilliant with regards to you know hiring directors and performers and stuff like that. But then that's you have so great the, for designers. Yeah, you know that's <laughs> it. Like it's like fantastic that they're doing that. Um, Set designer for radio. <laughs> that's um yeah no, I don't know a, yeah. is the answer sorry yeah. I think it's like you know we have the vaccine out there now well that's it I mean that that's the sort of that's what we're that's what I think everybody's waiting for to see what impact that will have if you know and how quickly that can turn you know the confidence back around because I think a lot of that's sort of mm-hmm. to do with trust in terms of people being being, you know, people trusting coming back into spaces because I know I know a lot of these spaces and have, have worked, you know, incredibly hard, especially in the hospitality world, you know, to provide safe environments for people to come back into. Um, so, like, yeah, it's, but I suppose it's whether people are ready, you know, I think there's been an, yeah. you know, this the impact of, uh, you know, the sort of repercussions of COVID, I think we'll, we'll feel for years and years. Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of physically getting back into spaces and being ready, I mean, I... I don't know. I mean, personally, I can't see us being back into theatres this side of Easter, you know. Kieran, have you done any work since since lockdown began in March? Have you managed to get anything I've had, we I've had one, <laughs> one show that Tracy assisted me on, um, the uh, Dairy, Dairy Playhouse. Dairy. Uh, in September. Um, so 1972, um, a piece about the uh, was it voices from help me out here. Anything can happen. Voices. Anything from can happen. That's <laughs> really bad. And that was with the lovely <laughs> Damien Gorman. The, the no, fantastic. Written by written by the, the wonderful wonderful Damien Damien Gorman, directed by yeah. Kieran Griffiths at the Playhouse, part yeah. of the Playhouse. So that was part of their sort of theatre and witness program, and we were meant to do that show in. It, I think originally last year and then obviously COVID hit and then it got pushed back and then eventually um, through the sheer audacity of the Dairy Playhouse they managed to get done where we live streamed it so we were able to get the cast it was and then obviously Damien had gone away and you know worked it into the actual writing of the play of socially distancing the cast and that there's only you know it was a number it was seven all right, seven or eight stories um, mm-hmm. of these people who had of, of 1972, that year of the Troubles, the extraordinary year. Um, and they were all on stage one at a time. And, you know, there's only other one actor, but he was, you know, so it was, and it was all, and he was actually cast as a, as a um, caretaker. So he would come in and physically wipe down the space that each person had been right. in. You know. yeah. um, so it was, you know, it was very much fabric, the fabric of the play. Um, and we were able to live stream that, but that's um, yeah, that's been my only design since March. Mm-hmm. And do you have anything in the pipeline? There's things. There are projects that were put on pause that I'm still waiting to hear back from. Um, 
So there's a number of projects that were initially postponed and moved forward into next year, but I haven't heard from any of those. Um, and there were, and then with Prime Cut, um, we're we're working really hard towards um, producing work within this context of knowing now the lay of the land, and haven't spent um, a lot of time figuring all this out and waiting and. Uh, figuring out some more um, we have a number of ideas then yeah that we'll be able to begin um, early next year um, fantastic yeah yeah so I think everybody's just waiting and just cutting their cutting, what's that? I never get that phase right cutting your cloth to feed the coat or coat <laughs> off cutting I don't know there's a lot of waiting <laughs> waiting for the coat to cut itself the cloth <laughs> And, and I mean, I mean, has this because I, I know I know you worked quite a lot, Karen. Um, we, another thing we often think about, um, and especially lighting designers, because I, fi- I find lighting designers often are double, triple, even quadruple jobbing, <laughs> from what I've seen in the past when I've yeah. worked with a lighting designer, including your very good self. Um, how do you deal with burnout? I mean, we've had this pause, so obviously we're not burnt out now. We have yes, yeah. set of issues we're dealing with completely. But <laughs> if we can imagine pre-COVID, yeah, let's go yeah, back yeah. in time. No, very, let's no, go back in time. Let's really, think about burnout. Um, no, that's a very good question, a really important question. And something that it is massively overlooked. And, think, and I know um, we're getting closer towards... Uh, uh, a sort of mental health awareness and that sort of aspect of our of our industry. Um, I know the wonderful Siobhan Barber is actually has used um, some of her funding and money towards uh, certainly in, in Belfast um, mental health um, first aid. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Uh, which is extraordinary, you know, just to, to you know to flag that, and it's something that's been in the pipeline for a while. Um, but but I think I think that that is an underlying um, evil of our industry. It's both those sides of things of the of not only just the physical burnout, but the mental, the mental burnout, and that kind of idea of oh, sure, we'd be grand after a few pints in the pub, and we'll just go and do all this again next week somewhere else, you know. So at the end of last year. Uh, I was in bits. I was physically in bits. At, you know, um, so I had, I knew I was coming at the beginning of the year, coming into it, thinking, as I do most years, going right, something has to give. You know, I'm you know I'm a young father. I've uh, I now have three beautiful children, um, and uh, <laughs> congratulations, <laughs> thank you, and uh, and a lot you know long suffering partner Jen, um, that something has to give. You know, this this is not sustainable. The um, the amount of work that I was that I was doing. Um, so this has been a massive help to that. I mean, it's you've got the sort of negative of that as well of kind of the, the, the fallout from that um, of being that busy. So trying to find a balance, you know, is is, is incredibly different because that, that's what it is. I mean, I, I'm I'm a kind of all or nothing guy. Um, I'm really bad at not you know of kind of doing one or two things it's either it's either everything or it's or or it's nothing um so for me trying to find that balance has been incredibly important but quite but difficult um i feel i've made some headway with this time that we have had to reflect um yeah but uh it's a long journey because you've sort of built this sort of you know you're your own, you know, you're, you're the, your own worst enemy. You know, this is Absolutely. what, this is what you want. You want to be able to, you want to work, you want to be busy. And then when you are, you're like, oh my God, this is too much. 
Um, You're getting up at six in the morning to go and paint something at seven. Yeah, before yeah, you have to yeah. then be at rehearsal at ten in yeah. another building, yeah. completely yeah. on the yeah. other side of town. <laughs> I've had productions where I would come home after a tech session and notes to eleven o'clock, to then set my alarm for one o'clock in the morning to get up after two hours sleep and keep working on something else to then go back into a tech room at eight o'clock in the morning, you know, where you're basically um, doing two hours sleep. And and Tracy, um, you, you've, you've worked um, full time um, contract at a theatre and then you've gone freelance. Mm -hmm. Do you Mm -hmm. see any difference in the challenges and the possibilities of burnout between both of those or um, where was the, was the, was the job in the lyric much more unionized and, you had to have certain um, of qualities of life assured. Um, it's, I think any job you do in theatre is always very full on. I think a lot is expected of you um, for your time. And, um, you know, I would always be like, oh, it's my day off. You know, I can have a day in the real world <laughs> kind of thing. And you tend to go down a black hole where, you know, I don't be in touch with my family or close or close friends for a while because you're just totally 100% absorbed in the three-day week, 12-hour shifts tech week um, of theatre that is required of you. Um, So it's definitely, I think, always full on. Um, This past year being freelance, because I'm an emerging designer, I'm balancing with um, still working as a freelance DSM and working as a freelance creative so I had my first time jumping like I don't know how Kieran does five gigs at the same time oh my god I had like two gigs on the go um Christmas last year where I did the design for um Ashton Gear so I was going from the Culturelin um in rehearsals and the second um get in and stuff going over to the Lyric and assisting them with their Christmas shows as well. So it was just absolutely mad. And I don't drive, so I was getting, like, hopping in a taxi, going across town, spending one morning in one venue and then another morning in another venue and then a full day one day in one venue and then a full day another day in another venue. So it was absolutely mad. And you don't want either venue to know that... Yeah, hide between them. You're like, right, what do you need? Yeah, oh, right. (laughs) You know, so you're there and you're trying to bring your energy because you're excited and you have stuff to do. And so, you know, you're trying to give them their just, you know, what what they need. You have to inject the energy and the excitement about your design into the room quite often. to, um, so how, how do you find that energy? Where do you find that inspiration? Are there, you know, are there designers or companies that inspire you or artists that inspire you that, um, that you can kind of bounce off to, you know, get yourself motivated when you go in to present your design or do your design? Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So people can't see us at home, but Tracy's got this little, she's developed this little signal now to defer, <laughs> defer to me, even though it's the opposite. She, uh, we're on Zoom, so she's pointing, I don't know what way, I'm obviously on, the, I'm on that way. Are yeah. you there? Um, <laughs> I just, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm just so well, we, we know Rothko inspired you. Well, sure. Rothko obviously for, for Red and, um, and a few other sort of, um, designs early designs um i i'm just sort of mad about what we do you know that is my and that's something actually through covid i've really discovered is how much 
this means to me, you know, um, in terms of it's not, it's quite obviously not a job. It's it's a way, you know, it's, it's who I am and it's part of who I am. So hence, hence constantly kind of working because I do, I get so excited about every project I'm part of. So, you know, I find it very difficult to discriminate between um you know, a large, what well, may be known as a large scale in brackets production to a sort of smaller, you know, they all, they all really, really mean something to me. Um, so, and then, yeah, of course, in terms of people I'm working with, yeah, you know, I, I get a buzz off the director or the cast or, you know, and the building I'm in and the people I'm surrounded by, you know, because you, you know, you're doing it for them as well because everybody yeah. should be working as hard, you know, towards it all so um i could just yeah i'm just obsessed by it you know um tracy any anything to add with that um i think um a theater company in belfast whose aesthetic i found um beautiful and really pleasing was the belfast ensemble um they have a very like clean cut minimal abstract aesthetic and it was whenever I went freelance that I then um, had the time to work with them um, which was like absolutely amazing um, so the Belfast Ensemble that's with Connor Mitchell and Abigail McGibbon yeah. and, um, and just, I was in just on that I mean I, yeah I'd have interest because um, I, I agree I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan and does that come where does that come from is that Connor or is that a mixture of everybody or is that, because it, it is, it is an extraordinary aesthetic that's very clear, you know, it's a really yeah. clear footprint of the Belfast Ensemble. And I've often wondered, is, is it, is it a poly, is it, you know, is it the poly vision or is it, I don't know, where is it, does it come from, where does it come from? I think I think it comes from like Connor's very much like um it's a collaborative process, but I think he just has these clean visuals right, in yeah, his yeah. head. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I suppose maybe he wants clean visuals because it's primarily a music theatre. Um yeah. he wants the music to shine and the voice mm. of the yeah. singers to shine. So he wants a very clean aesthetic yeah. to, to back that up, I would suppose. Yeah. It's very clean, like very white and um, using like specials, you know, lighting, beams. um, And then any colour you use picks up really well on Mm. the light. So it's like definite decisions with regards to colour and shapes. Yeah, Simon Bird. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, Simon's fantastic. Simon Bird with light. Absolutely gorgeous. So, um, yes, I worked with them on Abomination, um, a DUP DUP Opera, they brought me on as stage manager and design advisor on that. So it was just absolutely, you know, I'm used to being in the rehearsal room and being a stage manager, but to be in a room and to be given permission to speak creatively about something was just, you know, absolutely amazing because it's something that's naturally within me and being in a rehearsal room, which I love as a DSM for so many years and almost like trying to keep the box closed in my creativity, you know, like not speaking it. Um, it was wonderful to be in a rehearsal room and able to actually say creatively what I was thinking. So that was just amazing. When, when I did design, I would often chat with the DSM and the ASM in the rehearsal room about the design, especially Siobhan Barber, actually, you mentioned her. Yeah. She has a great eye and a great sensibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. Fantastic to bounce ideas off. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So I think I, I personally 
just speaking myself, I think designers and directors should be treating their um, DSMs with a creative voice uh, or yeah. the creative oh, license, absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. I, I, no, I, I think the stage management team are creative in themselves. You know, you have absolutely. the ASMs that are out there using their hands, making props. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I always feel like... Um, is a is the creative skill in itself, I um, believe. Uh, isn't there isn't there that famous Beckett play with the three people are in kind of big urns and they switch uh, halfway through a word from from one to the other? I forget what that's called. Mm. Is it called play? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I think I think we've been talking for quite a long time now. So perhaps we could round up with any advice uh, for designers who. Um, are starting out designers who maybe are looking for residencies, designers who are looking for training or extra training, um, maybe speak to your route um, and the institution, institutions that you went to and maybe give some pointers maybe of the attitudes that young people going into the theatre industry and are thinking about design might, the routes they might take or the things they might do or look out for. If you could maybe give us a few pointers in that. Yeah, I mean, I sort of, in terms of my own personal route, I mean, I did the sort of college thing, but that's not always, you know, there's, no, there's more ways than one. Um, you know, as I say, you know, um, Tracy, I know, I know Tracy did study in Aberystwyth, but she spent a long time stage management working her way through the kind of working her way up. I mean, I think the, the essence of what I would normally say to somebody wanting to study this is, hasn't changed massively since COVID, but obviously COVID has had a massive effect in terms of our industry in that, that it's incredibly hard. It's incredibly hard. Um, and it's a craft, you know, it's something that, um, you know, like carpentry, it's learned over years and years and years and years. Um, you know, nobody goes to college for three years and comes out and then they're, you know, a lighting designer or a set designer. It, it's, it's, a, it's an accumulation of experience and, uh, and it's a very, very, very hard and very, very slow process. Um, so a, a, that as a start opening <laughs> open and gambit and then see how that you know see how people react to that and i know that it is something that can be done many many different ways um be it mm-hmm. the college route um as Niall, i'm sure you would have a lot to say about um or be it the more practical sort of working within a theater environment for a long time that tracy has experience of for myself that's kind of did a similar thing and um yeah it's a snowball thing it you know it builds up um and it's not you're not going to get anywhere quick. So, at the moment, this present moment in time, I know everything's paused. But you could be doing a lot of stuff within that. You know, in terms of reading or researching. Yeah, yeah. I would say the main thing is to be proactive all the time exactly. and exactly. look yeah. look to make connections and look to make uh, look to make work. Yeah. Somehow, yeah. always. Yeah. yeah it's I not mean, the way. best yeah. the best students that 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 come through our degree program in performing arts, theatre design and IT side, but the best students are the ones that are proactive, yeah. the ones that are, are taking the gumption to do the work themselves. Exactly. It's not going to come, it's not going to come for you, you know. It's not, no. you know, if it's, it's not going to be uh, drip fed to you and then, then suddenly it's there. You, yeah. the best students are the ones who are absolutely um, of, a, of a mindset that they're going to make it work and they're going to make those contacts and they're going to um, work with each other. I mean, um, uh, we have a new we have a new theatre building coming on stream 
which I think hopefully will encourage the formation of theatre companies in the northwest of Ireland, which I don't think there are enough of in the Donegal, Sligo, Leitrim, uh, Tyrone, Fermanagh area. There just isn't enough in the northwest at all. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that a building can actually kickstart. And, and, you know, the post-COVID situation, I think let's be positive. Post-COVID, people are going to want to see live entertainment again. Mm -hmm. They're going to be fed up staring into screens, are they not? So Mm -hmm. let's imagine that in a couple of years, those young people that that I'm talking about, that they'll be coming out into a a new world where the opportunities are there, but the opportunities are there for them to make them, for them to make the companies. You know, some of the best companies like Prime Cut and Tinderbox in the north were started out straight out of university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and just developed and developed and developed. And it was just people wanting to make the work and wanting to do the work. Mm -hmm. And finding finding the other people who want to do the work as well, I think, is the important thing there. Um, Tracy, did you have any any ideas or roots or training that you think you might want to talk about? Um, well, I went to the the tech and dairy and did performing arts. So that was the Northwest Northwest Institute of Further and Higher Education, and that's yeah. when I discovered all these amazing jobs um, in theatre, like set design, lighting design, stage management. And from that, I knew right, I want to go down the creative route. I studied joint honours drama and scenography in Aberystwyth in Wales. The scenography course was absolutely amazing, really opened my mind. Um, it wasn't just about designing a set for the stage. It was also about installation art, designing a space and time. So that just was really amazing to think, you know, outside of the box. And again, you know, I went into stage management for a good lot of years, but um at one point I made the decision that I'm going to do this. I'm going to become a creative. I'm going to achieve this. Um, that was about three years ago. And then it's finding like-minded people that have also made that decision. And yeah. I just I found um, an up-and-coming theatre company called Headrush Ireland, based in Belfast. And um, they were making theatre happen. And I got in contact with them and I was like, can I do your set design, please? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's, so, that's you know, exactly you know. This also, they, you know, this echo, echoing what now is saying. You know, it. You know, you've got to. Yeah, you've got to be proactive. You've got to get out there. Yeah. Um, and even in this period of of you know pause, um, you know, read plays, understand absolutely plays. You know, research directors, research designers, know the people whose work you like and enjoy. You know. Get, get in touch with them because every you know mm-hmm. the whole world are sat at home and yes. now's the time get in touch <laughs> with them and you know and badger them you know even if somebody doesn't reply to you the first time do it again do it again you know and there's been people exactly. who you know got in touch with me and for one reason or another I haven't been able to get directly back to them but they've come back and gone oh hi sorry do you remember that email I sent I'm like oh my god yeah sorry I've been you know blah 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 um yeah you know knock on those doors get out there and it's the passion because mm-hmm. it's the passion that can't you know can't be taught. It's either you either have that passion for it or you don't, and that's very obvious in any in any situation you go into in any room you're in. Um, people will pick up on that. You know, directors will pick up on that. Actors will pick up on that. Yeah. Audiences will pick up on that. You know, absolutely. And that's the most important. from from starting out in school to youth theatre to you know drama clubs to uh, uh, amateur drama groups to yeah. professional training to being a student to professional theatre yeah. it's all about having that spark and that passion and that drive exactly. there's not um, you know there's the, not 
Sorry. No. And everything else will follow. Yeah. If you're driven, everything else will follow, I yeah. believe. Sorry, Kieran, go ahead. No, no, no I was just going to say, because like, there's not a theatre company in the land that wouldn't allow you to go in and observe um, part of their process yeah. from afar. You know, every theatre company would go, yeah, sure, you know. Um, exactly. We'll come and have a look or whatever, you know, if they're in tech, whenever we get back into tech, come and sit in the back row or something. Um, you know, there's no, no. I, well, I, well, I personally couldn't think of any, of any company that wouldn't be up for that to some, to some degree. I mean, yeah. there'd, be a, there'd be a limit to what people could be involved with physically and, and for insurance reasons, etc. But, um, but yeah, speak to people. You know, speak to people and say hi. This is who I am. This is what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if people can help, they will. You know. Mm-hmm. it's just stepping forward isn't it it's just finding that bit of confidence in yourself to step exactly. forward as that exactly. and why not just send that email yeah, just yeah, yeah. send that email yeah. just exactly. do it just do it I just think that's a good it. line to to finish on just Kim, do it. As, is that is that the Nike logo is that what it is oh. is, that what they, is that what it is anyway yeah. um so thank you so much um Kieran and thank you so much and I hope to see you in the real world very soon, both of you. Indeed. And we can hug again, maybe at some point in 21. Maybe. Never that know. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to say goodbye there. Cool. Thank you, Nile. Thank you, Nile. listening to our podcast. We will be back soon with a new episode. The Irish Society of Stage and Screen Designers podcasts are possible thanks to the Design and Crafts Council of Ireland. 